So some of you may know this, um, and some of you may not, but I just want to kind of preface a couple of things. First of all, I love being here, serving at this church, and being here, I don't know how long I was here, maybe since 1990, back in the last millennium. Uh, I get to be one of the pastors, and I am so grateful for our pastors here. Can we just thank our pastors who bring us the Word of God all the time? And p- part of my role, not just as the, the pastor here, but also serving as the district supervisor, which is the Pacific District, which includes uh, the four square churches in Hawaii, and we're connecting with the Pacific area, which is Japan, Australia, New Zealand, just different areas, which is our goal uh, in these next years to bridge all of our four square churches together. But it requires me to be at different meetings and trainings and things like that. So I just recently came back from a small vacation prior to that some training prior to that meetings and it requires traveling now thank you Jesus that he gave me the 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 love for traveling and because everything we do is for him so when you don't like to do something go back to who you're doing it for like when you get up in the morning you're like I hate school because I did when I was going to school. I, 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 I couldn't think of it, I didn't think of it as, wait a minute, I can, I can actually do this for the Lord. Or going to work, it's like, ugh, gotta go to work tomorrow. It's like, you know what, Lord, I'm gonna do this for you. Or, uh, gotta go home to him. <laughs> You're married. <laughs> so the Lord brought you two together. Or there are just certain things you don't want to do. Just bring it back to Jesus. Lord, I want to do this for you. Because here's, here's, the, here's the best thing about that. He gave his entire life for us so we could have an eternal one with him and each other. And he gave us a perfect place to be in. This time that we spend here is so temporary. I remember when I first started learning how to give. I didn't know what that was about. I thought it was about the building, the electricity, paying the bills and things like that. Like, oh, we all got to chip in like family so that we can pay bills. But when I understood that it was to the Lord that he blesses me so that I can be a part of what he's doing, then it changed everything. And I didn't want to do that. I was like, I don't want to do this. Then I remembered, wait a minute, this is is for the Lord. This is a holy moment that I, I get to give to God. Now, this is not about the actual finances because God is always a God who wants to particip- wants us to participate in what he's doing. It's a relationship. It's always about the heart behind my giving. And the reason why I bring this up is because sometimes we have a difficult time not because of my finances, but because I don't understand. So I want to take this time as we pray over our, our tithes our offerings, that we ask God for the understanding. That God, can you just give me understanding about how and, and why this part is so precious to you? And some of us already know that we recognize that, we understand it, and how the Bible instructs us. But it, it takes some growth and maturity, and this year is all about discipleship. So this is a part of us learning from God. What does it mean to give to you, God? Because in every other area, it's pretty simple. Well, I felt it was easy. I could serve. I could come to church. I could do these other things. But then when when he says a tenth of my income, a tithe, a tenth, 
I'm like, you know, I can save money and buy something with that. But this is what I think many of us have learned. You can never outgive God. And when I tally up what God has blessed us with in so many different ways than just finances, I could never outgive him. My children were able to attend schools that was scholarshiped, that was far more than what I would ever tithe. And that's the faithfulness of God. So when we pray tonight, just ask him for understanding. That's all. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Lord God, we, we are grateful for what you have done, going to the cross, dying for our sins so that we could have eternal life, so that those who are those who believe in you, that there is no, no condemnation anymore, that we get to be in this relationship with you. So can you just speak to us, Lord? Give us understanding. And then as we do give to you, may you bless this giving so that it would be used for people who are far from you, that they would come closer to you, that these finances would go towards everything possible to see someone say yes to you. Whether it is a part of taking care of our facilities or buying new Bibles or providing a place for people to gather or sending missionaries, whatever it is, Lord, however you want to use your finances, you just give us the wisdom and the understanding to do so. So we trust in you and we thank you for the opportunity to give to you for without you, we have nothing. But with you, we have everything. So we thank you. We pray over the time we get to spend together. We pray over Pastor Jonathan as he brings a word that it settles into our hearts so that we become more and more the person you made us to be. In Jesus' precious name, and we all sit together. Amen. Amen. Hey, good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for coming tonight. and braving the infamous Hilo rain, but we are so glad that you are here. <clears throat> Tonight, the message is entitled, The Truth of Conviction and the Lie of Condemnation. Uh, I know those are two pretty harsh words, but biblically, it's addressed in the Bible about the application of these two and what they mean. And often, they are both uh, mixed up for each other, whereas conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives is a good thing. Condemnation is not. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at this. And, you know, I've been kind of, this, this message has been really on my heart for a while uh, because I see so many new people. And I, I've been a usher here at the, at the doors over there, and I've seen so many people come in and come out, you know, uh, receive the Lord with joy and gladness and then maybe a few months later I don't see him again and I've counseled many young men recently and almost all of them seem to have that same thing where they struggle with their sin so much that the conviction turns into a feeling of condemnation which is, which is no good so tonight we're going to address this I'm going to ask God to shine his light and give us truth and understanding about those, these two very important concepts and words. So let's pray. 
Father God, in Jesus' name, I just thank you so much, Lord, that we get to gather here in your presence. Lord, even though the words conviction and condemnation may appear harsh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about love and grace and mercy. So right now, we need you to speak to our hearts, open up our ears, give us ears to hear and hearts to comprehend. Lord, we give you this evening, we give you this word, we give you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so <clears throat> the English definition of conviction is this, to bring to light, to expose, convince, and reprove. If someone is convicted by a judge or a jury, okay, if someone is convicted for a crime, the judge or jury is convinced based on the evidence that the person is responsible for the crime. The truth of our actions has been brought to light, so to say, exposed to everyone. This will lead to, of course, consequences when we, when we do a crime, but hopefully uh, eventual correction and rehabilitation. Um, one of the first boneheaded things I did when I was younger was when I went to college in Colorado. Uh, I was 18 years old, and uh, we wanted to, me and my friend from Maui, we wanted to go to, we wanted to go to the discos because that's where all the chicks was, you know what I mean? So anyway, back, back in 1988, we had the Hawaii driver's license, but they were of the uh, credit card type. Remember the ones that was stamped in so the, the letters and the numbers were raised? So me and my friend from Maui, we get this bright idea. We, we get an exacto knife and we cut them. So, and we steal the numbers from our address put them to our birthday so that we was like 22, 23 years old. <laughs> so I go to the bar, the, the disco, the nightclub, and I give the bouncer my ID. And he, he looks at the ID, and he was almost going to let me through. And then he, he grabs the flashlight, and he looks behind the ID, and then he sees the original indentation. He takes my ID, and he turns it in to the police department. One week later, at my dorm room, knock, 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 open, open the door, one detective from the Greeley Police Department is standing at my door. Okay, so he gives me a summons. I appear in front of the judge. The judge, based on the evidence, convicts me of a misdemeanor falsifying government ID. <laughs> so I had to do 72 hours of community service in Colorado. So that was my penalty. That was my punishment. You see, the judge brought to light and exposed and convicted me of that crime. In the biblical context, conviction is brought about by the Holy Spirit to bring light to when we rebel or transgress against God's law. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. When you receive Jesus Christ, you are immediately sealed in your body and your heart and your soul and your spirit, the Holy Spirit. And as you walk your walk with the Lord, you will come to crossroads and decisions where either you will make the right decision, the godly one, or you will make your own decision, the fleshly one. Now, when you do the fleshly one, what the Holy Spirit does, it convicts us of that wrongdoing. It almost makes us mourn, so to speak, in a way. Because we feel bad, not because, not because of anything else, but we have 
broken God's precepts and his laws for us. Although the conviction of the Holy Spirit may be painful for all of us, nobody likes to go through that. Nobody likes to go through it. But it is actually a healthy thing for all of us as Christians because it's almost like a, a you know, auto reset, a, a default system where automatically the Holy Spirit will bring to light and expose and convince us, hey, Miyasato, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You know, so the Holy Spirit is a good, powerful thing. That's the truth of the Holy Spirit conviction. And that's the way it's described in the Bible. In John 16, 7 through 8, it says this. But in fact, it is best for you that I do go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. You see, Jesus is saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to convict of sin, to make you mourn and feel the weight of disobedience to God. And it's a good thing. Now, that's not the only job of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also is a counselor, a comforter. He leads us in the way of righteousness. But it is a very important part of what he does is convicts us of when we sin. One of the first times I felt this Holy Spirit conviction was, um, was about 30 years ago when Pastor Sheldon and I were, we were youth leaders. And we had this small group meeting every Monday nights and I was kind of a new on-fire Christian. I didn't quite understand any of what I'm teaching you guys tonight. But there was this one person, this one woman in our group that uh, she was just the type that would kind of dominate the conversation. And it sort of annoyed me. And I didn't realize it, but I began to kind of uh, set my heart. I had a bad attitude towards this woman. And it was, she, was, she was great. There was nothing wrong. But I, I kind of copped this attitude. The successive days and week, for some reason, I just felt this heaviness on my heart and, and this loss of joy. I didn't have that spring in my step, and, and I was just not the same. Something was wrong with me, and I didn't know what it was. So I brought it to the Lord, and I asked the Lord, please reveal what's going on. And he did. He revealed to me the error of my ways. Thus leading me to repentance, to ask God forgive, for forgiveness and turn away from that evil way. And I did so. And that was the first time I ever experienced that Holy Spirit conviction. Many of you new people are beginning to understand that, yeah, there is something that is stirring up in me when something isn't right, when I'm not doing what is right. That is the Holy Spirit conviction. And that is his job. So, Holy Spirit conviction is good. That's the truth. It's a good thing. Condemnation means this. Condemnation is the expression of strong disapproval, censure, punishment, and even damnation. Condemnation is, is bad. You get a house, okay? And you have a house inspector. You walk in the house. It's like 70 years old. It's an old house. 
the housing inspector looks at the house, he looks at the foundation and the structure, and he deems it unsafe. He has no choice but to condemn that house. Now, a house condemned has no hope. A house condemned, the only outcome for that house is to be destroyed and torn down. That's condemnation. And that's sort of what condemnation is for all of us who have never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, have been redeemed and forgiven. That's the condemnation that it's talking about. You know, there's a, speaking of having no hope, there was this one guy, he was a tourist, and um, he was uh, on a little small boat just off the coast of Florida, and maybe like 50 yards away from the beach. And he's on the boat, he's having a great day. All of a sudden, his boat capsizes. So the, the, the tourist is just hanging on to the boat, the small craft, because he knows that these Florida waters are infested with alligators. You know, Florida, yeah? So anyway, he's holding on to the boat. He's about 50 yards away from the shore, and he sees an old man on the beach. So he cries out to the old man and says, Hey, are there alligators here in these waters? The old man on the beach says, Nah, there's no alligators here, not for a long time. So the tourist says, okay, well, it's safe. I'm going to start swimming to shore. So he starts swimming to shore, and he stops. He treads water, and he looks at the, the man on the shore, and he says, hey, how'd you guys get rid of these gators? The old man on the shore says, we, did, we didn't do anything. The sharks ate them all. <laughs> so, so the guy, he, he was condemned to begin with. Okay? He, had no he had no chance, no hope. Okay? But... God's punishment in the Bible, his condemnation, is because of his holiness and righteousness. Okay? So the first lie of condemnation, because it's entitled um, the truth of conviction and the lie of condemnation. The first lie is this. A God of love would not condemn me. Say, you're an unbeliever, you're an agnostic, you're an atheist. But you live a good life, you don't make trouble, you've never been arrested, you never, get, you never got uh, convicted for falsifying a government ID like me, okay? But say you, you're over there and you believe this lie that a good and loving God, would, he would never condemn me. I'm not a, at least I'm not as bad as the other guy, you know, so that's the lie that has been perpetuated from the garden, from the very beginning. Because the devil wants you to think that everything is hunky-dory. As long as you live a good life, as long as you don't hurt people, you, you make it to heaven. But that is not true. You see, God is perfect love. God is perfect. God is love. And Within God's love, okay, this is the first time I'm going to try to do this, yeah, so bear with me. God is love. God is love. He is perfect in love, okay? But within the parameters and the boundaries of God's love, and by the way, there is no way we would ever be able to comprehend the vastness of God's love. But in the Bible, it does give us some idea. Okay? One part of God's love is his righteousness. He is righteous. And he is just. 
He is righteous and just. Because he is a holy and perfect God, he cannot overlook and forego sin. He cannot. He cannot exist on the same plane as disobedience and rebellion and transgression because he is so holy and righteous. So you may think, well, gee, if, if God created us and we're so bad from the beginning of time, from Genesis, then, you know, does he really want us to be condemned? No, he doesn't. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says this. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. He is a God of love and a God of righteousness and justice. And he doesn't want to condemn it. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants all of us to repent. But here's the problem, okay? Here's the problem. So, so what hope do we have? What's the solution to this plan? Well, within God's parameter of his love, his boundaries of his love, he is also full of grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. It's because of his grace, it's because of his mercy that he set in motion a plan from the garden where man originally fell that he would redeem us and he would give us all the opportunity to be saved. John 3.17. Now, John 3.17 is one of the most overlooked scriptures in the Bible. Why? Because preceding it is John 3.16, which everyone knows. But John 3.17 says this, God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God made a way from righteousness and justice to grace and mercy, and he did it with the cross. He did it with the cross. Jesus did that. Condemnation is true. Okay, it is true because of his justice and his righteousness, but it's, he's also a God of grace and mercy and kindness. So remember that, remember that. The second lie of condemnation. And everything has been building up to the second lie because I tell you, I've counseled so many people that have been struggling with this, that they sin they get convicted by the Holy Spirit, they repent. They sin, they get convicted by the Holy Spirit, they repent. But they are constantly struggling. There's an internal battle in their minds and their souls that they cannot seem to win. And the conviction, which is godly and which is good, when it keeps happening and happening, that can eventually turn into discouragement which can then turn to despair and eventually condemnation. So the second lie is for the believers who have been born again. And this is the lie. That we who are born again believers can be condemned. That we as born again believers can be condemned. And here's the answer. 
We can't. You cannot. No matter how far you run from God, no matter how many times you fall and slip up, you cannot be condemned. Romans 8, chapter, one, eight, chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, plain, black and white, there is no condemnation. You have been saved by grace through faith. No condemnation. This cycle of sin, okay, uh, it's just so internal, it's like internal warfare. And, you know, I have struggled with sin, that repeated sin, and I've gone through the whole thing of, uh, you know, um, say the cross is, is, is that, there's the cross right there, yeah? And, you know, I'm walking toward the cross. I'm trying my best. I'm seeking God. I'm coming to church. I'm reading my Bible. You know, I'm serving in church. But yet, I'm so tempted, and I go the other way. I face away from the cross, and I sin. I fall. I sin. Then the Holy Spirit convicts me, and I fall, and I repent, and I stand up again, and I keep walking, keep walking toward the cross. Then a month later, oh, the whole, you know, I'm just tempted again, and I fall. I turn my back to God again. If that is you, and you know what, we all, we all struggle with something. Let's, let's be real. We all struggle with something. There's an internal sin that we have all struggled with that no matter what, we seem to still, whether it be addictions or, or pornography or anger, unforgiveness, whatever it may be, fear or whatever, we all struggle with. And we continually repent. Even if you guys fall a thousand times, don't give up. You are not condemned. Okay? Even if you guys fall 10,000 times in this cycle of repentance and sin and repentance and sin, you know what? Then there's 10,000 reasons for you to bless the Lord, oh my soul. That's 10,000 reasons because you cannot be condemned for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. You can't. It is impossible. You know, Coming to church is good. Reading the word is foundationally important. Okay? Gathering with the saints here on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday, it is so essential. But sometimes you may need more. Okay? You may need more. And that's where our community of believers come in. That's where your brothers and sisters come in. I do all those things, but it's not enough for me because I still struggle. I still struggle with sin. So I've asked elder people, elder men in this church to speak life into me when they see that my life or my teaching is going errant, going wrong. I give, I give them permission. I have my best friend who lives on Kauai. He's my accountability partner. He checks me to make sure that I don't feel condemned. He checks me to make sure that I'm walking in the path of righteousness and walking towards the cross. I'm part of a care group, a Bible study, who encourages me and prays for me. In fact, my care group is probably interceding and praying for me right now. We need 
need each other. And as this church grows bigger, and it has, there's been more people since COVID coming in these doors. As this church grows bigger, it must grow smaller too. So my encouragement to you is find somebody you trust that you can go to for support, to confess, for encouragement. Find a small group. You can go on the Rooted and Growing on our website. There's many opportunities for you guys to get plugged in. But you can't do it alone. But remember, the Holy Spirit is good because of its conviction in our hearts to keep us straight and walking toward the cross. Condemnation, it has nothing to do with the believer. We are saved by grace. So, um, Hiva, if you could come to the, the pads, the keyboards. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 7 verse 14 through Romans 8, verse 2. Now, after me talking for the past 20, 25 minutes, if it still hasn't convinced you that what you may be going through in this internal struggle of sin is, is something that only you are going through, something that no one else knows of, let me tell you, I'm going to share with you, in fact, I'm going to share with you, the Apostle Paul is going to share with you now that internal struggle he has with sin and condemnation. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle to do what is right, and I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person am I. Who will free, free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power that, of sin that leads to death. Let's close our eyes. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you for the grace and the mercy that you provide to every single one of your children. It is not your will that none of us perish, but your will is for all of us to have salvation in your Son. 
you did not send your son into the world to condemn it, but to save it through him. So Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight and ask, Holy Spirit, will you continue to convict us of our sin? Help us to continually repent and be quick to repent when we do wrong. Help us to realign ourselves and reorient ourselves and our hearts towards the cross every single day. And no matter if it's 10,000 times that we fall, Lord Jesus, we will not quit. We are not condemned. We have been bought with the price of the precious blood of Jesus, and we celebrate and with joy we praise you and we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So thank you so much. I uh, hope to see you guys on Sunday, uh, 7, 8.30, and 10. Aloha. God bless.